So um, we we released a um, a little short episode of an interview that we done with some people we met on a Facebook page from the guys from um, Urbex. Urbex. Past masters, past masters. Yeah, so we um, we're going to try to do a little bit of that here and there. Throw a couple of extra episodes out to keep y'all entertained. Hopefully, you enjoy it. And um, if you know anyone that would like to participate in an interview, or if you have a story, yeah, give us a call. Our number is on the Facebook page. Yep, you can be one of those bonus minisodes. Yep, and I do believe. Um, that I have the capabilities of doing it to record live over the phone. So um, so we have a number y'all can call. And I, I want to say it's a 677-3303, but... Who really knows? Yeah. With cell phones these days, who remembers numbers anyhow? I mean, I don't remember... I barely remember mine. I usually don't remember mine because I don't call myself that often. 677 677- Three three zero three. Look at me. Two five six. Two five six. Six seven seven three three zero three. Yeah. Well, guys, I guess that's going to be our little intro, and we're going to do our warning, and um, we'll be right back. This podcast may not be suitable for children. If you are easily offended or bothered by strong language or dark humor, this may not be the podcast for you. This podcast accepts no responsibility for butthurt feelings. Or erections lasting longer than four hours. Thank you. And welcome to the What the <laughs> That Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne. And I'm Jill. And today we're going to talk about a couple of Alabama murders. We like murder. We do. And we live in Alabama and we don't get a whole lot of... Close to home stuff. Close to home stuff, but once again, it's also Alabama. Yeah. Because I I heard reference on a podcast that I listened to that it's Alabama. Well... And, and they're so not wrong because, hell, we are Alabama. Have y'all heard me talk? Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're pretty Alabama. Yes. But we're speaking better than Arkansas. Of, well, speaking of, um, I know everyone's interested. Still haven't heard from our France listener. Still don't know who you are. They're still listening. Still don't know who you are. And we thank you for listening. Every episode. And about the only French word I know is la rue. Oui, oui, oui. I'm going to stick with the more educated la rue. Baguette. Croissant. I'm going to have to start over. <laughs> Pepe Le Pew. Okay, I'm, I'm cutting all this shit out. <laughs> I was trying to actually be educated and just, you know, play off the last name there. I'm bantering. <laughs> Welcome to Alabama, guys. <laughs> At least I didn't say it all redneck. Not yet. We're not done recording. 
We're four minutes into this shit. Yes. Perfect. We're done. How'd y'all enjoy that episode? It's great. Are you talking about this episode or the one that we released Saturday? This one. Um, I, let's, I'd like to hear a little, about, a little more about Saturday, see if they enjoyed that one. Okay. Should we talk about murder? Let's talk about murder. You want to talk about murder or you want me to talk about murder? Um, you, go, you, you talk about murder first. Okay, let me talk about murder. Which one do you want me to do? Um, the second one. I don't know which one was first and which one was second. Then that means it's up to you. <laughs> okay, so I will start with this one. Um, this one is about a 12-year-old boy and his father. And Oh, I've completely forgot about that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm awful. And so Dwayne's going to be surprised all over again. Um, This is about Forrest Butch. I'm going to say Boyer. It's B-O-W-Y-E-R. I don't know if it's Bowyer, Boyer. Um, Boyer sounds way better. Yeah. And his son, Brett Boyer. And this happened in 2002. And it's, once again, we, we got our usual warning, but pretty disturbing because we're talking about a kid. Yeah, and you know, you say 2002, and you're like, oh, it's not that long ago. It was like 20 years ago. It's like 18 years ago. Yeah. I'll have that on math for you. Yeah. I mean, long time ago. Yeah. This 12-year-old would have been 30. That's insane. Yeah. It just seems like time doesn't pass by in my mind like it's not 2020. Or, or it is 2020, but 1980 was 20 years ago. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> when you say 10 years ago, you mean 1990. <laughs> so, folks, we're old. Um, <laughs> and now I see what my mama was talking about all those years. Yeah. Um, okay, so on to the Boyers. So on Sunday, February 17th, 2002, Butch Boyer, and this happened in Phoenix City, Alabama, which is, like, right on the Georgia line. Right. It's close to Auburn. Yeah. It's, I think it's actually in the eastern time zone, and Alabama's in central. Part of it is in the eastern time zone. Well, no, it's, they adopted, they just go by eastern time zone. Because so many of them go over to Georgia. to work, because what's the... Um, college right there. I have no idea, but there's literally nothing in Phoenix City nope. <laughs> except for a but you remember we, group home. At that concert we went to, right across the river was yeah. a, a college. That, I don't the, it's a fairly it large college. So, but Yeah, lots of people commute right over the state line to Georgia, and so to keep them on time for work, they just run they by, go Eastern. by Eastern time. So we're we're talking about Phoenix City, Alabama, and we have the Boyers. Um, Butch Boyer, who is the the dad, he answered a knock on his door at ten o'clock at night, and there were two men dressed with badges and a warrant who said he was under arrest for drug possession. They handcuffed him and walked him to a white Crown Vic. So, I mean, yeah, that could be a cop car. He stopped them and asked what he should do about his son who was inside. So, these two guys, they went back inside and handcuffed his 12-year-old son, Brett. Which seems odd. Very odd. You know, even if officers are going to go ahead and take the kid 
so that he's not left home by himself. They're not going to cuff him. cuff him. So, it says he also knew something was wrong when they drove past the Phoenix City Police Department and out to US 431, where it was being constructed. So, yeah. If the police don't take you to jail when they arrest you, you may not be the police. What Did you say what year this was? 2002. Two th- this happened in 2002? Yes. And you said that 431 was being constructed? That's what it said. Must be repairs then. That could be. It just says where it was being constructed. The roads in Alabama always have construction. Always. So that could be true of any road at any given moment, except Walker County. They don't do road work Walker at all. Walker County does zero road work. They yeah. want every person to walk outside with a shovel full of gravel and throw it in the road. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Walker County. <laughs> but you know it's true. I've heard some real bad stories about Walker County. <laughs> Anywho, back to Phoenix City. (laughs) (laughs) So these two guys were asking him about a safe, which they thought had $100,000 in it. Butch told them he doesn't have a safe, but he did have some cash in the house. So they put put the guy and his kid back in the car, went back to the house, and Butch went inside and gave them a box that had $40,000 in it in cash, but said, I don't have anything else. That's a chunk of change, though. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I don't have $40,000 anywhere. Nope. Bank, house. 401k. Nothing. So they drove back to 431 and stopped again and pulled up to where they had dug a grave. That's where one man slipped Butch's neck from ear to ear, and the other man shot Brett, the 12-year-old, multiple times in the head after the young boy pleaded for his father's life. Brett was thrown in the grave, and after Butch's throat was throat again was sliced open, so I guess they cut him twice, twice, he was tossed in before the two men put dirt on top of them. Miraculously, Butch was not dead, dug himself out of the grave. Wow. Pulled his son out of the grave. Wow, again? And crawled to the road. Not all heroes wear capes, guys. And that's where a motorist pulled up and called 911. Now, I've actually got a, I found a link to a dash cam of Butch talking to the police. And you can see the blood on his shirt around his neck and see the dirt on his clothes. And he's holding his neck. Yeah. And he's talking. Yeah. he's, And, and he sounds kind of strange. Like, well, yeah, imagine his throat's been cut. <laughs> crazy. Um, but he, he kept talking about his son and that my son's over here. I've got to show you where my son is. Right. And he wouldn't leave and get in the ambulance and go to the hospital until they went and, and found his son. Right. Was his son still alive? No, his son, they shot him in the head several Multiple times. times. Yeah, I kind of figured, but I thought I'd ask. Yeah. So, Butch was able to describe the vehicle to investigators and actually was able to identify one of the people involved. He actually knew him. The, the guy's dad had worked for him repossessing cars or something like that. It's crazy. That's probably how he found out he had money in the house. 
Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it says Butch um, apparently had a used car lot. So I guess that's why he had cash laying around to, right. to purchase vehicles. I apologize for my sniffling. Apparently <laughs> I've got it really cold in the house. so <laughs> We're all bundled up. So um, authorities brought him in. And then, in which the guy was Jimmy Brooks Jr. And I guess when he came in, he kind of ratted out the other guy. And that guy was, I think it was Michael Carruth. This just says Carruth right here. But Carruth was a bail bondsman. And we were kind of listening to some of the interviewing and the stuff. Interrogation the interrogation of it. Yeah. yeah, apparently this bail bondsman had started up his own little crime ring. A little side hustle. Yeah, he would go bond people out of jail who didn't have money to pay him and then would go take them and drop them off and would ask them, hey, who do you know who has money? And then would take them to their house and drop them off to rob the people. That's crazy. So they, and apparently he participated in this one, was ready to get that $100,000 that was supposedly there. And it says that with the money, they were going to build an underground hydroponic marijuana system. So they were going to steal some money to make some money. Underground. Yeah. Hydroponic. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Elaborate. They had a plan. So, um... Apparently, there was another murder that Brooks took place, took part in, and there was another guy who Caruth had bailed out of jail named James Gary who participated in that one, and it was the same kind of setup, like go to the house, and I think that's the one that he was talking about in the interrogation, and we're like, this has nothing to do with yeah. the kid, but it was an older couple, and they went into the home and was trying to get money and, and they kind of fought back like the lady was trying to she got a gun and was trying to shoot back and mm-hmm. they ended up killing them um, so Caruth did not confess like Brooks he just straight up like yep I did it this is what happened this is the other guy that he did this He, I, I guess at least had a conscience but Caruth didn't confess, but the blood on his pants, because they picked him up the same night, was confirmed to be from Butch Boyer. So when he cut his throat, it sprayed and... Got on his pants. And yep. Therefore, he was at the scene. Right. So he was found guilty and sentenced to death. And he was sentenced in 2003. I don't know if he's actually been put to death or not. I don't think we've actually put anybody to death in a long time. No. Well, it says here Caruth and Brooks remain on death row. Okay. So Brooks was also found guilty and sentenced to death. Now, the other guy, Gary, he was found guilty and sentenced to life without parole, the one that participated in the one murder of the older couple. They probably couldn't pin nothing on him. Probably not, because it was after the fact, so they probably didn't have evidence other than he, he probably took a plea deal. Yeah, like, I'll admit like, to it if you won't give me the chair. I was there. Yeah. The other guy did all of it. Yeah. I saw him kill both of them. <laughs> it's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. So, I, I thought that was interesting, um, mainly just because I was able to find the 
like the dash cam footage and some of the like interrogation um but in phoenix city it's a it's a really small town it is um we did a subdivision there in phoenix city and and so of course something like that happens in phoenix city like brett he was in sixth grade when it happened it's awful so the the school they actually put up like a little plaque in the sixth grade hall in memory of him um when his class graduated school, they had an empty chair with a rose and a cap and gown laying on it to symbolize him. Right. So they continued to honor him with his with his grade. Right. As they went through school, so it was still it was hard on all of them, even all through the years. Yeah, especially sixth grade. I mean, junior high is hard enough. Right. Much less losing one of your friends like that to being. You know, accidents happen, yes, but a brutal homicide is, is not an everyday occurrence in everyday life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that dad, I mean, he he did what he could do, but, you know, there, it was it was too late for him. Um, they also pr- planted 12 Bradford pears by the school in honor of him, I guess, since he was 12 years old. They planted some trees in his memory. Well, I'm not going to lie. That's a sweet sentiment that they could have picked a better tree. Yeah, because they'll, they'll break and they stink. Yes, they, now that is so very true. They they do smell like a... They smell like a dead body. They do. We had one break in our front yard, and that's why I say they're not the best of trees, because it literally broke because the wind blew. Yeah. And when I cut it down, I kept telling Jill, I was like, there's something dead around here. I'm like, it's the trick because it had bloomed right before it broke. Right, and it, it stunk. I mean, it was awful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess this other article that I have, it doesn't say anything about them being executed yet either, but it was from 2016. Yeah, I don't think, like I said, I don't think we've executed anybody in a while because I haven't heard anything on any of the media pages. Because usually that's a, a big thing. Yeah, and it says the average stay on death row in Alabama is 16 years. So if they were convicted in like 2005, 2006, I think it said they still got a couple more years before their yeah. appeals are up. And I'm still not thinking. Like I said, we don't. We're not real big on killing folks. I don't reckon. I said just let that daddy go back at him. Well, you know, not that I'm proud of this, and it's again Alabama. You know, I think I have a cousin that's on death row and. He's been on death row for a long time. <laughs> so send your letters to Dwayne. <laughs> hey, I didn't do it. Is that the one my mom gets upset oh, about when God, you talk about? Yes, because she can't remember what the hell she said last night, mm-hmm. but she can remember everything from 40 years ago. Yeah, and takes it personally. That Very personally, because she was a dispatcher in Mark. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> 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 Moving along. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne's family didn't kill anybody that my well I guess that my mom did know but yeah she knew him yeah it was a bad case I, I we could probably actually talk about it here on the show about it's this. an Alabama murder it is an Alabama murder <laughs> so but maybe next time I am not prepared to talk <laughs> about this not emotionally or not with the facts with the facts emotionally I could care less <laughs> um but if it's something y'all would like to hear about, hey, hit me up on the Facebook and let me know. Yeah, 
Yeah, let us know if you want that on a future episode. We're just being total whores for comments now, aren't we? We are. Because nobody <laughs> says or does anything on our Facebook page. Give us a comment. Um, and just just a little side note, I was telling this story to a friend at work. And he's like, are you kidding me? He stole my dad's car and drove down there to do that. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Small world. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about Dr. Jack Wilson from Huntsville, Alabama. He was an ophthalmologist, which um, he was actually, I guess, an eye surgeon, not just an eye doctor. Doesn't just just didn't do um, eye checks. He corrected your vision through surgical procedures. So he's making some bank. Um. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he was. And. Sorry, I had a scratch. On May 22nd, 1992, Jack's wife, Betty, had just returned home from an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting when she discovered Jack's lifeless body in a pool of blood in the har- on the hardwood floor by two Persian rugs and pale blue wall-to-wall carpeting and a metal baseball bat lying next to him. She walks in the house from her AA meeting and... Discovers her husband. Boom, beaten to death husband. Dead in the floor. Betty ran to a neighbor's house and dialed 911. She sounded convincing enough on the call. That was irrelevant. (laughs) At the murder scene, police couldn't find any helpful fingerprints or signs of burglary. All of Jack's credit cards were in his wallet, and there was nothing much in the way of ransacking the house. So they weren't looking for any type of stashed money or valuables. So no motive apparent. Right. Except for their ever-changing stoop. Oh, my gosh. It probably infuriated somebody. Yes, let me tell you what. I watched that forensic show, and they show the original picture of the house, and it was just like a little eight-step stoop going up to the front door. Yeah, it was like a flat front house. Yeah, very flat, nothing fancy at all. Door with some steps. Yeah, a very plain and simple stoop. And then, during the reenactment, they chose the wrong house because the stoop did not match. It had, the, like, columns and... and- a, porch and all kinds of things and I was like that's not the same stoop well I look up this damn article article and it's a third stoop it's a third stoop so I don't know which stoop is the right stoop he's very bothered by this well that's I hate the guy that died but the stoop thing really did we're, we're gonna have to drive down Boulder Circle in Huntsville and see if we can find the house I mean, so we can see what stoop is there. I bet it's this stoop. And this stoop, I mean... It's kind of a mix between the two. It is. It has an <laughs> overhead porch and railings. and. But it's not quite as big as the one they showed in the reenactment. No, it's not. I mean, it's the, the definitely stoop, not a flat front house. The stoop is definitely upsetting to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn stoop. It's the stoop's fault. Right, it is. That's why he died. They didn't like his stoop. I mean, I don't like a stupid. I'm not going to kill him. 
So he's in there with a baseball bat next to his head. Right. And investigators soon learned that things weren't in order between the victim and his pretty wife. God. Were they getting that she's pretty? No doubt. Were standards really low back then? I mean, it was 92, but they were just coming out of the 80s with the big hair, but... I mean, even the big hair, I mean... Just a, yeah, it wasn't horrible. It was just big hair around a pretty face. That they just, oof. Y'all look them up. You'll see. Yeah, y'all look them up. The couple slept in separate bedrooms. And um, from numerous sources report that Betty had a distaste for Jack and the surgery that he had to have because of his Crohn's disease and would later testify about the various unlocking things she said to and about him. So, she was mean to him because of his colostomy bag? Right, for something he absolutely had no control over. I think they said she found it disgusting. I mean, no one's going to really enjoy a bag of poop. No. But it's not like he could help it. It was keeping him alive. Right. Because food goes in, food's got to come out, and if I'm correct, Crohn's has something to do with your intestines, Mm -hmm. and if it can't get out, mm, it's not good. not going to lie. I'd rather change your colostomy bag than your diaper. Amen. Yes. So if we get to that point, we're going to get you a bag. (laughs) I don't think we can just choose to do that. Actually, Bob at work chose to have his took off. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Learned that the other day. Interesting. Tell you what, guys, if I can ever talk about Bob on the radio or on this show, <laughs> let me tell you, y'all would love Bob, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so so things didn't seem to be as honky-dory as they were making them out to be to everybody. No. Because it's never a good thing when husband and wife sleep in separate bedrooms either. Right. Um, I say never. Sometimes there's medical reasons and that kind of stuff. but Right. It says, another pro- perspective motive for the homicide, Jack's will left the bulk of his estate to Betty. I want to sing it again. Yeah. <laughs> $6.3 million. Gold digger. $6.3 million, and the man is still working. And this was in 1992. Right. So can you imagine? That's a bazillion dollars today. Why Why would you want to? I'm about to give it away. This poor guy is doing surgery on people's eyeballs with his bag of shit. Hanging from his belly to make her more money, and she isn't happy with it. Right. So, there was also the matter of her extramarital affairs. Apparently, she had quite a bit of these. Um, The New York Daily News reported... As a woman with a thriving sex life that rarely involved her husband, 
the AA meetings she attended regularly, she had been sober for five years, and this was made... She went to AA for convenient hookups. Isn't that special? I guess it probably happens more than a lot of people want to admit. Well, I think a lot of people probably hook up at those meetings, but... I mean, well, not it's, married ones, maybe. It, what the thing is, is... And me, if, if I've been clean for five years, haven't the meeting's done your job? Yeah, but some people need that continued accountability True. to stay clean or they're going to fall back into it. Yeah, I got that. I think it would depend on how often she was going. Like, if she was going once a week or if she's going every day. She's going every day, like, mm, you probably don't need every day when you've been clean for five years. Right. I mean, Yeah. And honey, how come when you come home from your meetings, you're in such a good mood and you go straight in the shower? Right. <laughs> With only gossip and speculation and minimal, minimal forensic facts, investigators could not build a solid case against Betty. But forensics was kind of just getting its, its footing back then. Right, and as, I think this was one of the first cases that... That they swabbed DNA and stuff, right? No, where they actually used um, splatter yeah. reenactment, where they would, you know, you, they hit something with a ball bat, and it leaves a trail coming back and then going forward. It's going to put splatter all over roof and the walls. And, and not just that, but the impressions, too, that yeah. it would leave in a skull. Right. So, let me find where I was located. Then, a police informant came forward. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> None too reputable. The tipster said that James White, a 41-year-old handyman at the elementary school where Peggy Lowe, Betty's sister, taught, had been hired to kill Jack Wilson for the massive amount of $5,000. Which is like chump change compared to the $6.3 million she was getting. Five grand. And I think what they were saying, what he was saying in his interviews in that show last night is, I mean, he admitted back then to not being the most upstanding citizen. No. Doing um, burglaries and using drugs and... He, he was messed out, yeah. what he said. He, he was, he was pill popping, drinking, smoking, probably shooting up some stuff. I think you mentioned a little bit of cocaine. Yeah, he, he, if it was there, he was doing it. Yeah, so... so he was not in his right mind. And uh, Jill made the, the observation that he kind of sounded like unknown Henson. Yeah. So... He just does a little toot. Just does a little toot. <laughs> if, y'all don't, if y'all haven't listened to... Um, unknown Henson, I do not freebase cocaine. Please go listen to it. You will thank us later. Yes. Which happened to be recorded at Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville, Alabama. 
That's why I th- it may have been that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went and killed this guy. Because he had a little tooth. White described by reporters as a dirty man with ungroomed hair and bad teeth. Meth. He had a dishonorable discharge from the military and a record with the law. That's something in the South, ain't it? The law. <laughs> the law. <laughs> Don't make me call the law. Do y'all call it the law in other parts of the country? Discuss on our Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> the law. Oh, goodness. So I, I kind of skimmed down while you were talking about that part because we, we had talked about the forensics, and I don't think it really goes into that in this article. So. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. So do you want to discuss that for a minute, kind of what the scene, when they went in, the stairs went straight up right. to the second floor went, from the doorway. Went to the second floor, and you made a left-hand turn, and then that's where you saw the body. Right, and he was laying, like, out in the hallway. And you could see by the, the pictures that... Both arms were broke. Um, the ulna and the radius? I think so. I think that's what they're called. Yeah, because tibia and fibia is Your legs. legs. Yeah. I know those well because that's the ones I broke. <laughs> um, but you can see where both of his arms and both bones in the arms were, were broke, kind of like a somebody was swinging something at him, and he put his arms up to block it, and it Defensive snapped wounds. both his arms. Yeah. And, and there was a pool of blood around him. Pool of blood. There was a puncture wound in um, his left shoulder. And his head was cracked open. Yeah, it was. It had like three or four different spots of lacerations where he'd been hit. Right. But that's where the forensics was talking about. It didn't match a baseball bat. Right, and the baseball bat was there beside him with the blood on it. And they also said usually when you use a baseball bat, that the bat, when you hit with the force to kill someone, it's going to leave hair and blood and skin. All that's going to be attached to the bat. Yeah, more than just a smear of blood. Yeah. So... There was none of that on the bat. It was just blood. And and I think they probably were censoring for TV back then too, but probably brain too. Yeah, would but be I expected. But the what the pictures showed, it didn't expose any. It, it was just right. his skull was cracked. Well, but that was the thing too: is the skull wasn't fractured the right way. Right for a ball bat hit. Right, because a ball bat. Imagine if you take a baseball bat and you hit a pumpkin. Right, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's it's going to leave a big old smashed in side of that pumpkin. Right. This was literally like three or four small spots mm-hmm. that cracked his head. And that it didn't match. Right. And they later determined that it was something possibly smaller in circumference. And, and he talked about the splatter, too. So there was concern or question that the body had been moved. Right, because there was nothing on the wall. There was there was only blood around him. Right. there, it, And usually, kind of to get graphic, if you're hitting somebody more than one time, not only is it going to splatter when you hit them, but then when you pull the item back to swing again it's going to spray the wall yeah you're going to fling blood off of it right. like if you had paint on a paintbrush and flung yes. it at a canvas so 
None of that was present. It was just a pool of blood and a dead body, some broke bones and a cracked skull. And none of it was led to the baseball bat being used to do it. Um, they later said that they um, had to find the, the possibility that something else, like I said a fire poker, and oddly enough, when I said that, they said Yeah, like three minutes poker. later, they said that it could have been a fire poker, and that explained the stab wounds, too. Not right. that he was stabbed, but that he was he hit poked. with the other side of the poker. Right, and, you know, if somebody is swinging one of those cast iron pokers at you and you throw your arms up, yeah, you can swing that pretty quick and it's going to snap your arm. Yeah. And uh, so, but they never found it. Right, and and I think, too, that's that's what makes this case interesting and an interesting forensic case because, for one, I think that that guy, what was his name, White? White, yes. I think he confessed to being a part of it, but said basically like that he doesn't remember what he did because he was so strung out on drugs. Right, and he also said that he actually had broken into the house and was waiting, and then he decided that he was not going to do it and got up to leave the house, and as he walked out the door to the landing, Jack came in. And surprised him. And surprised him. And they kind of got into a scuffle. And he said he don't remember hitting him with a bat. He don't remember killing him, period. But people who are on meth are dangerous. I right. mean, because they don't act rationally and they can be violent very quickly. And so, the, the amount of adrenaline that's pumping through their system, I mean, you've they're seen, like Hulk strong. You've seen YouTube videos of guys that are that are being shot five, six, seven, eight times and still not dying. Yeah. Because they are strung out and I guess the, the adrenaline is just pumping. Which of course makes sense because the army gives you antropine pins. Yeah. And that's nothing but adrenaline. Yeah. And I mean Amphetamines that are used for keeping people alert and weight loss. I mean, they're not a whole lot different. So it's right when you're taking high dosages of stuff like that. I mean, that's you're you're dangerous. You're unpredictable, and you're like super Hulk strong. Mm-hmm. I just picture that that scene in the Avengers movie where Hulk picks Loki up and just dum, dum, swings dum, dum. him around a couple times, <laughs> which isn't what happened here. But by no means. <laughs> We don't know exactly what happened. No, but one of the theories was is there was multiple guys, and they killed him in the carport or the garage. They wrapped him in a tarp, brought him up to the landing, and dumped him and turned him. I guess they didn't like the way he was facing. And the reason they think that this is probably what happened was because his head hit the door frame and left a blood smear. And the blood pattern on the floor is like a circular swirl. swirl. Right. So, you know, nobody really knows. And but Mr. White apparently don't remember enough to give any type of details. Yeah, he, he knows he was involved in it. So he's he's sitting in jail and feels like he's properly in jail for it. But I guess kind of like the, the short and sweet of it is 
these two sisters conspired to kill the doctor. And one sister did go to prison, Betty. Betty, the wife, the she wife. did go. And her sister, who did go on trial, the jury found her not guilty. Yep. So she she walks free today. And apparently it's just sad that her sister has nowhere to cry in jail. Yeah. Well, it's a horrible thing. <laughs> And her sister's in Tutwiler. The um, the thing about that is, is her sister taught at that elementary school, which I don't remember the name of, but it was like a hundred miles away from Betty. From Betty. And White was a janitor or something at yeah. the school. So, so that's obviously the connection. Obviously the connection. And the thing is, is a hundred miles, you're just not going to. You know, bump into him. Yeah. But apparently, White lived in a trailer next to his abandoned house, and they found a gun that was registered to Jack at that house, and because that was the only thing that they said that they could tell was taken was a gun box was open. Right. And the I forgot what they found in. The, I think they found the gun, didn't they? In the house. Yeah. But I'm not in the trailer. Oh. In the trailer, they found his his boots, which matched some of the prints. I think so. So. And and White doesn't deny that he had something to do with right. it. Right. He he um, he just doesn't remember what. Right. I think he kind of may not necessarily cut a deal, but. My guess would be because it seems more probable the two person in the moved body theory. Right. That. Betty was at her AA meeting as her alibi, and her sister and White killed him and drug him upstairs and placed the body and left, and then she walked in the house so she could be all, oh, no. Right. And that, that would make sense. So. so I feel more like her sister is probably more guilty than she is. Right. And this was kind of a, not a like a super record-breaking or a groundbreaking case with forensics, but this is one of the first cases where forensics disproved and proved two different stories that happened. One story convicted one person. The other story let another person go. Because there wasn't, there was reasonable doubt. Yeah. There wasn't enough to link her to it. So. So I had an interesting update that I had discovered um, when we were researching this too. And I just wanted to show you too before I get discussing the update. This is the house that they show and it's the one with no stoop. <laughs> no, there's a stoop. That's the regular stoop. I know, but that's what I'm saying. It's not the fancy one. No, that's the one that. This is stoop that's A. The stoop. That's stoop the original a. stoop that they showed. Yes. So that that's the stoop that's in this article, and this article is from March 17th, 2004. Okay. So this home was at least in 2004 still standing, and had been purchased by Scott McDermott. Up, Scott. And he was making renovations to the home. Oh, that's right. I forgot about this. And discovered that the propane lines in the home had been tampered with. So he was going through, and, and before they connected the gas, that he had it tested. You and have to have a pressure test, yes. Right, to make sure there's no leaks so you don't die. And it didn't hold pressure, did it? It, it didn't. They couldn't get the pressure to hold. 
um, says they couldn't get it to hold any pressure whatsoever. So heating and cooling guys traced the leak to a space in the upstairs master bedroom. Behind the wall near the bed, which I guess this is obviously where his bed is now. Yeah. Not necessarily where Dr. Wilson's bed was, but... More than likely it was. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot of ways to arrange most bedrooms. So, behind the wall near the bed is a hidden fireplace that McDermott didn't even know about. So, did did they have it covered up? Did Wilson have it covered up by sheetrock or something? I don't... I, it just says it was hidden. So has I, to be by sheetrock. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it says the cap for the propane line had been removed. 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 So the cap was totally off. And so, of course, this guy that bought the house, he theorizes that Betty Wilson and James White may have attempted to kill Jack Wilson with the gas leak. And then when it didn't work... Plan B. Plan B, they just beat the crap out of him. Or maybe, I mean, they did that to make him woozy so he was easier to beat down. I don't know. This, this is true. So, it, you know, when just you, a theory, but they, they did discover a problem with the gas lines when in you, the bedroom. When you told me that you had an update and you showed me the original stoop, I thought you was going to show me a picture of the stoop today. I don't know that I have a picture of the stoop today because uh, I don't have the address. We'll have to just drive down Boulder Circle. I'm not going to lie. The stoop is the thing that... The stoop really does bother me. And I don't know why. If I had the house address, I could Google Earth it right now. That's all good. We're We're an hour in. Yeah, but we got a lot to take out. Yeah. Because I've got one more to share. We can cut out that other one. Yeah, we'll have to cut out that other one. There's a lot of houses on Boulder Circle. All right. Well, let's we'll let's drive on because that is our story of um, Doctor Jack Dr. Wilson. Doctor Jack Wilson. It's it's pretty. Um, I guess Alabama famous. Yeah, I, I remember it growing up. And it's one that actually got me interested in forensics, and I was watching all those forensic shows. And then there were some episodes where I'm like, oh, I don't have the patience to do all that and to comb through all of that. You know, I say I remember it, but oddly enough. Dr. Jack Wilson was murdered the day before my dad passed away. So I may just remember the aftermath of the trial. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, because May 23rd, um, oddly enough, I guess it's something that people do uh, when something like that happens to a family. They'll they'll try to get the kids away from the house, I guess, Uh because I went and stayed with my cousin. For uh, for a little while. Well, it was probably time to give your mom a grieve. Well, I think to get every, get all the affairs in order. Yeah, and, give her time to make the arrangements right. and not have to fall apart fall apart in front of you and deal with me because you know. Yeah, you you probably would have broke a bone or cut something open or cut something off or. Something. Well, I, <laughs> I was only gone for a day because I did have to come back and take care of all the animals at home. Oh, I forgot you had a farm. Yeah, so. So this this last one we're going to talk about, um, I kind of debated about talking about because I have some personal knowledge of it, um, and I didn't really, I don't want to come across as insensitive discussing it on the show, because it's something 
that I'm not at all insensitive about and it was actually kind of one of the traumatic moments in my life, I guess. Right, and you knew the young lady. I did, and, and I worked with her, and that's why I say, like, I, I don't mean for any of this or for me discussing this on the show to be insensitive, but I feel like if I'm going to discuss an Alabama murder, one that I know about personally would be one to discuss. Right, and there were some, some laws that came effect or came about from this. Right, so, so it's got some interesting stuff with it, too. Yeah, so let's just dr- dive on into there, and we'll try to keep our little asshole comments to ourselves and not chuckle yeah well and you know honestly i mean and and we're talking about holly newberry um she was 24 when she died and to be honest like i said i worked with her she probably would make jokes with us like she she was a fun happy girl she joked and cut up with us you know she wouldn't have thought anything about it um So, on December 21st, 2009, um, well, this was posted December 21st. I thought she Anyway, sometime in December, right before Christmas in 2009, um, is when she was murdered. She and, back then they had common law marriage was a thing in Alabama. Common law marriage was a thing up until two years ago. Right. So, she had just gotten divorced from her common-law marriage. Um, She was married to, common-law married to Christopher Rich. I just want to point out something, and it makes no sense in my brain, but to be common-law married, you don't have to have shit, no documentation, no nothing. You just proclaim it. Yes, you lived together for a certain number of years, and you presented yourself as husband and wife. And you were married. But you don't have paperwork. Right. But yet you still have to go get divorced. Right. Which they had two children together too. So that was part of it too. That right. They oh, had to I, I do was custody. Not, I wasn't actually just in reference to this. I was just saying the common law, you right. don't have to get married, but you do have to get divorced. Right. Crazy. So, and, and like I said, I, I worked with her. I was working at, at McDonald's in Florence at the time with her. She was a shift manager, and I was a shift manager. Um, and so we didn't know all the details of what was going on, but we, we knew she was afraid of him. And she had kind of indicated that he had been abusive towards her and, and made threats to her, so... All of us up there, we had encouraged her to meet him in a public place, you know, come up there to McDonald's and and swap out the kids, um, use somebody else to swap the kids over, don't go alone, you know, all these things that you do to take safety precautions in in a situation like that. Because she had never, I mean, she said he he never did anything to the kids, but it was to her. He, He wasn't happy she was leaving. And, and he was making threats to her. So they had met to swap the kids over, and they had started meeting at his grandmother's house, which was still in the middle of nowhere um, in the county. So still not the best place. At least it was somebody else's house. But, but if you're pretty much not in downtown 
or you're out if, in the sticks. Yeah, if you're out in the county in Florence, it's a good 20, 30 minutes for somebody to get to you. Right, because when you weren't you weren't in the county, you lived, I mean... I, I was, but just barely. Yeah, you were about 15 minutes from the Walmart. Right. And, and this was way further out than that. So... Alabama <laughs> references. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, guys. Well, do you like the fact that... Um, she was in the Zip City area. That's the where it was called. Oh, Zip, Zip, Zip City. City. Yes. Um. So they they went to swap the kids over, and and I'm going from memory of what I remember of the event because there wasn't a lot of details in the news story that I found. Um, but she had had two kids. One of them I think was five years old, and one of them was like five months old. Right. They were in the car. Um, she had... One of the kids was sick, and she had to get the medicine or something for the kids. And so she had turned around and was telling him, well, let me grab the medicine. And she turned around to get it out of the car. And when she did, he shot her in the back of the head. I hate that. That's... And... The really bad part of that is he shot her with the kids right there in the car. Like, there was blood on the side of the car and the kids were in the back seat. Now, granted, one of them was just a few months old, but one of them was five years old. Pause. Did you see that? I bumped the table. Oh, I didn't see your hand hit the table. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, what the fuck? I bumped the table gesturing. Yeah, I did. I saw you gesture, but I didn't realize you hit the table. Yes. I was like, oh, fuck. What happened? <laughs> Holly's here. Oh, God. Pause. So, after he did this, he, he left her laying there. And he got in the car with the kids, her car, and drove off. So the neighbor... Just just left her there. Yeah, just left her there, laying on the ground. So the neighbors had heard the gunshots and had called the police. Obviously, they get there, and there wasn't anything they could do for her. She was gone. Um, And they start looking for him. Well, they call, I think it was his aunt who worked at the courthouse. And she wasn't like a police officer or anything, but she worked in the courthouse somewhere. Right. To ask, like, where he might go or... Because, you know, just finding out places and locations that he might be. Because he's got two kids with him, too, that they don't know if they're in danger. And... And you would assume they are. Right. Well, and the courthouse is... That's where the sheriff's office is. That The sheriff's office is in the courthouse. Right. And she says, well, actually, and and she didn't know what happened at this point. She says, well, he's downstairs, and he wants me to come down and get the kids. So this guy kills his ex in front of his children. And drives and turns himself in. No. He just drives down there? He drives down there and wanted her to get the kids, and he was going to take off. 
He was in the parking lot and called her and wanted her to come down and get the kids so that he could take off. He didn't think this through, apparently. I don't know if he was going to kill himself. I don't know if he was just going to run. I don't know what he was going to do. At least he wasn't taking the kids. Right. But still, oh my gosh. But yeah. So, instead of the aunt coming down to get the kids, the police came down. <laughs> well, good for the police. <laughs> and they took him on upstairs. Um, now, he actually was charged with capital murder. But the only reason they were able to charge him with capital murder is because he stole her car afterwards. Because he committed another crime while, while murdering while her. Murdering her. That's how, that's how you get capital murder. You have right. to be committing another crime while committing the murder. Right. I learned so, that from my daughter. So that is the only way that they were able to get him with capital murder. Even though he killed her in front of her two very small children. Right. And if it ha- he hadn't have stolen the car, he would have just been charged with homicide. Right. And could have paroled probably by now. Probably, yeah. So... I don't understand the murder laws in Alabama like that because that's crazy. Well, in so because he actually pled guilty to capital murder in 2011, and he is serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole. So because they were able to get the capital murder charge, he won't get out. Good. But the the good thing that came from this is... In 2018, on November 1st, Governor Kay Ivey of Alabama signed Holly's Law. And this was one of the very first things that Governor Kay Ivey actually pushed through when mm-hmm. she took office after our other governor got fired. Yeah, or arrested or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Alabama, folks. <laughs> I think we were mentioned in, mentioned in a Leonard Skinner song. Anyways, um, this new law, which made it through the legislature and everything and is now signed into law by the governor, is named for Holly Newberry, um, who was shot and killed by her ex-common-law husband, Christopher Rich, in 2009 while her two young daughters were in the car. The bill makes the murder of a parent or guardian a capital offense if it is committed in the presence of a minor younger than 14. Wow. So that makes it so regardless if there's any other crime. That that means if you bust into your ex-wife's house with your children there present and you shoot their mother in front of them, that is capital murder. Yes. You don't have to steal nothing. You don't have to do, even if you're invited into the house, you're not trespassing, and then you get in a heated argument and you shoot her, guess what? Capital murder. And you don't get out of capital murder. Right. And, and the way that I look at it is the trauma you're inflicting on those kids is the other crime. Horrible. Yes, I mean, absolutely. I don't see how that's not a thing anyways. It, it should be it a should thing. Be, it should be a child abuse charge on top of it, which would be another crime, which would make it capital murder. Yes. I, I agree with that 100% because, you know... It's, it's not something anybody ever wants to see. People think they want to see it, but when, when you've seen it, when you've experienced it, it is not that great. No, and 
you know, I'm I'm grateful that one of the girls was was young enough to not have seen it and taken that in and have any memory of it. But at the same time, she also doesn't have any memory of her mama. Right. How, how old was the youngest? The youngest was a couple months old. The older okay. one was about five years old. Well, that, the oldest one definitely. And yeah. I, I will tell you, the oldest, she is the spit damage of her mama, too. Yeah, she She is her maid over. And the the good side of that, too, um, Holly's parents actually are raising the girls. That's good. So they're still with family. Um, the girls got to go, and, and her parents got to go to the signing. They, the article that I saw has a picture of all of them there when the governor signed the bill. So they got to be there. And, and you know, I, I guess in our in, in Florence is not close to us by no means, but you know, a, a good came out of that. And in our little neck of the woods over here we had a young lady who got shot in the parking lot in the next town over who was pregnant no i'm so sorry not a parking lot she was shot by her boyfriend at the car wash and she was pregnant and because of that there was another law that come effect that if you shoot a pregnant woman you're then charged for a double murder right for the murder of the child too yeah which an additional little um, tie-in to us relating to this story. The assistant district attorney who helped push through the law from Florence. Did I go to school with her? Angie King from Arab, Alabama. That's right. I did go to school with her. You did. She was the sweetest. Yep, and she helped push that law through. So you have a little connection to it, too. Good for Angie. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> She's done a lot of good in Florence, actually. She helped create One Place of the Shoals, which is for um, sexual abuse victims so that they don't have to go to a hospital to to get examined and the police come to them, and it's a lot less traumatic for them to go through all of that. That's good. And, you know, I didn't know this, but um, I work with Angie's former stepmom. Okay. little tie-in there, and... In case Angie ever hears this, she Sheila's very proud of her. <laughs> and uh, Arab is too, apparently. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. But I I hope that and and I tried not to go into. I've got a lot of memories from that day of finding out. Um, you know, we didn't. We heard about her passing away while I was at work, and I had to share the information with coworkers and. And it's rough delivering that news. It it is, and I was pretty young myself. I think I was like twenty six, something like that, twenty six or twenty seven. So I wasn't much older than her, and having to tell a crew of teenagers, right, about this. And at that point, like when we first heard about it, he had not been arrested, and he was still out there, and we didn't know if he was going to come up there, right. Because he had threatened to come up there before to come after her, and and so we were all kind of looking over our shoulders, and you know it was it was hard to get the information too because that news doesn't immediately come out right. with names and everything. So we were we had to get confirmed through some other sources, and um, but you know it's weird you you had to tell your people about it, and this past week at my job, my boss had to inform us of a a passing at work and you can tell it wasn't easy for him 
and it, it it's detrimental to all of us at work even though even to me who I had very little to do with the young man um, it's still one of those things where you just don't take it for granted you and, know and I gotta say it was it was really hard to to work through that shift because I mean people still want the burgers yeah because <laughs> just because it's affecting us and I, I work in the a, a medical machine shop and because we lost one employee our customers still want their knees replaced still need those hip replacements so we have to drive on and granted the mood was was very somber Wednesday um, it's better today I mean it's not as bad but for us on first shift we didn't work with him but for 30 to 40 minutes a day because right. he was a second shifter um but, you know, nonetheless, it's still just a bad situation. Anytime somebody dies, regardless of, of why, it's just bad, especially, you know, for the people that know them. Yeah, and, and it was it was tough. Um, I mean, we had to kind of split the store up into groups and tell people and so that we could kind of keep things moving. But I think at one point I did eventually, like, get on the drive-thru speaker, and I'm like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to wait a few minutes. And, yeah. and just explain to them when they got to the window, like we had someone pass away, and right. you know we're we're dealing with, and and everybody was nice and understood, but you know I, I finally just had to. We, we've got to make sure everybody knows. And you know the bad thing is, it only takes that one asshole to come through the speaker and just push that wrong button, and yeah, it wouldn't have been a good day for them. But yeah, my my professionalism would have went out the door, and everybody, I probably would not have had a job. Everybody, thankfully, was really good about it. Um, That's good. And one of our, of course, you know, you have some regular customers that come in every day. And one of our regular customers, when she heard about it, it was an older lady, I think. Um, she went to the store and got one of those big white ribbons and put it on the door for us. Right. And, you know, that, that's the thing about it is, you know, when you're dealing with, with the public and you, they come in especially if you're good at your job and they come in and say well, where's she been right. and you're like oh then you have to it's almost like reliving it again yeah. and and I will say the the franchise that I worked for you know they had staff from other stores come in and cover the day of the funeral so that we could all go that's good so y'all y'all share some stuff on our Facebook page in case you haven't figured it out. We'd really like that. We would love to hear some Facebook stuff. Um, tell us how you're social distancing for your holidays and your Mother's Day and that kind of stuff. Or, yeah, and how you absolutely hate it when I try to read. Or how you really enjoy listening to him try to read. Or how you like us trying to say things in Alabama words. <laughs> like the law. <laughs> the law. Don't make me call the law on you. Don't make me. So, um, I guess I'll do a little housekeeping. Uh, yes, that would be amazing. We have music. Our music is great. It's by House of Curses. Who I found out is looking for a new bass player. So, if anyone plays bass and really likes that song. Metal. They deal in great metal. You can contact us on our Facebook page. <laughs> and we will get you in touch with them. And that Facebook page and our Instagram, you can find at WTF Was That Pod. Go to that Facebook page. Go to that Instagram. 
comment some things. We still have stickers. We do have stickers. I've mailed out exactly none. Yes, because Tammy commented and didn't give us our address. Yeah, Tammy. No address. <laughs> you can email us your address at wtfwtpodcast at gmail.com. Or you know what? You can text it to me at 256-677-3303. Yes, or call and leave a voicemail. <gasps> voicemail. That could be creepy. We're going to get all kinds of heavy breathing messages now. I don't even know if the voicemail set up on it. We might need to check that. Because we're not going to answer it because we're not going to be home with it. (laughs) (laughs) So, communicate with us. I guess that's the theme of the day. And um, I guess if you're not going to comment, then we're going to hit the button. I ain't got nothing else, so go ahead and hit the button. I don't know which button. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yep.